I'm having a great time with the research. We got to work on new problems. Not a lot of people are holding you to deadlines like they used to, so that's been really hard for me. It was an adjustment to become a student again, but I have a feeling that the most challenging parts are yet to come. I've realized that I've learned a lot and grown a lot as a graduate student. You're listening to Vitamin PhD, a podcast from Boston University delivering career narratives and skills know-how to supplement your doctoral studies. Hey everyone, I'm Sarah Hokanson, Assistant Provost for Professional Development and Postdoctoral Affairs, and I am hosting today's episode of Vitamin PhD, where we'll be navigating careers in nonprofits. Today I'm interviewing an alum of BU's Sociology Doctoral Program, Andrea Farina, who is Vice President of Program Strategy and Initiatives at St. Francis House, which is a nonprofit homeless services agency in downtown Boston. St. Francis House serves 6,000 adults experiencing and vulnerable to homelessness each year. I am so excited to have Andrea on our program because she has such a wide range of experience related to addressing poverty and related issues at the individual and community levels. Everything from managing nonprofit and city government programs, consulting to practitioners, funders, and municipal entities, conducting research, and even teaching. So. Thank you so much for joining us, Andrea. We have a lot of ground to cover. You've had a really diverse career. So walk me through it. I mean, the, the central theme to all of it really has been about income inequality um, and addressing it at some level and being part of making change. You know, some people say making the world better, which is kind of trite, but it's true. Um, and it started, those thoughts started when I was a kid. Um, so when we fast forward to finishing undergrad and, um, and moving through, I did a master's program in um, counseling, which wasn't quite the right thing for me. It had a focus on career counseling for college students. And it was a helping profession, and, but I knew that I wanted something grittier. That's all I knew when I finished a master's program. I want something grittier. And um, I didn't know what that meant. <laughs> and I came to Boston and started working in a homeless shelter. Um, at the time, there was no internet. And I was just cold calling places and saying, hi, I'm you know, Andrea, and I'm looking for a job. And do you have something? And I landed in a day, women's day program for homeless services. And that really started a very different trajectory for where I was going professionally. From there, I was in homeless services for a while. and. Um, and then I realized that one of the things that I loved doing was also was teaching and um, helping other people come to understand how the world works. And um, so I, I uh, took on a teaching role at a two-year college in Boston, um, the Benjamin Franklin Institute of Technology. And I was there for a couple of years. Um, I'd always known that I wanted to get a PhD. I have no idea why. <laughs> Honest to God. Uh, and I felt at the time, you know, educational equity was the thing I wanted to focus on um, because I was seeing so many, um, you know, Boston uh, public school grads who were really challenged moving and transitioning into college. And um, from there, I found BU. Um, and then, you know, my life took another sort of different turn. I explored this idea of educational equity and urban schools by um, doing, I started off my first semester diving into a, a volunteer project with the Chelsea Public Schools, who you used to have a partnership with, I don't know if they still do. And 
that was the beginning from semester one of connecting my doctoral work to the community. I ended up transitioning out of ed the focus on education, and part of it was because I realized through that internship, you know, volunteer experience, that first semester, that was not the right place for my efforts. So, you know, one of the things about mixing both academics and, you know, the community is um, that was part of establishing my trajectory from there. So through the rest of my doctoral work, I was involved in projects the entire time, research project, consulting projects. Um, I was lucky to have a lot of mentors and professors. And, um, and then transitioning from there, um, once I finished my work, I, was, um, I, I had done my doctoral work in Lawrence, uh, Massachusetts, and developed a lot of connections there. And as a result of those connections, um, was connected to a job for the city of Lawrence and you know, spent time there. And then um, as a result of a project I had been working on during my doctoral work, connected with someone who was a professor at Harvard Business School who said, hey, you want to come work for me? And I said, sure. Um, so, you know, it was a lot of it hinged on my own interest in, um, in how can I plug into the world um, in ways that make a contribution. And then from a professional development perspective, it was about getting out there and not staying within the books and the writing and the four walls and working on projects and getting connected to people. And ultimately that led me to where I am now. Well, and I, I'm smiling, of course, because this is something that we hear a lot, and yet I think it can be daunting for a doctoral student to build their network, and yet so many people on this mm -hmm. program talk about how those networks transformed mm -hmm. their career pathways. And mm -hmm. so, um, reminder students, get out there into yeah. the world yeah. and yeah. meet people, Absolutely, because it can be life-changing in terms of the projects that land on your lap or the next stages of your mm -hmm. career. So I'm, mm -hmm. I'm so happy you said that, even though I didn't ask you to. <laughs> it's been the linchpin, really, from, from everything. And I, I think it's one of the biggest challenges that doctoral students have. And I see it today, you know, not just students, but people who are coming from an academic world and we're still working hard to build this bridge between, you know, the non, I'll just say the non-academic world and the academic world. And it's really hard for people to make that switch. Um, I've been lucky to be able to bridge both, but it, it's a real challenge. And um, having the skills to be able to bridge both whether as a result of networking or just as a result of knowing what's needed is absolutely key to getting a job outside of academia. Yeah, I've heard that time and time again. And so I think the other thing that can make it hard to translate in addition to just breaking out of the books is just having a sense of what the real world looks like. Mm -hmm. I think academia has its own environment and ways of working and cultural norms that can look really different when you transpose someone from academia into that non-academic mm -hmm. space. And so I'm just curious, in your nonprofit that you currently work, St. Francis House, what is a typical day like? Um, maybe not in your current job because mm -hmm. you have so many years of experience that you're not fresh out of your doctoral right. program. But what what types of things would a doctoral student be expected to do? And just describe to me a little bit about that nonprofit culture and, and what it's like in that particular mm -hmm. environment. Mm -hmm. 
Well, I guess the first thing to say is, you know, much like um, any other industry, you know, you have kind of sub-industries. So when we have human services or social services, the homeless serving world is going to have its own kind of way of operating compared to like uh, social services that focus on children and families, for example. But, you know, if I think about somebody who's coming from doctoral work into social services or human services, most likely they're going to be making that transition um, into kind of a mid-level position. Um, And most likely, I think, they're going to be moving into a space of outcomes and measurement Um, I just think that that's more likely. So what we call research in academia is outcomes and measurement in nonprofit land and um, managing to outcomes. And it's it's about understanding the impact of the work that the nonprofit is doing and whether or not the program that's being delivered by a staff person on the ground with the person who's experiencing homelessness, whether that interaction adds up to a bigger interaction and ultimate change in that person's life and in the lives of other people who are going through those experiences. And there's a whole, there's a whole kind of, uh, sub-industry isn't the right way to talk about it, but there's a whole section of the work dedicated to how do we effectively do outcomes measurement. And there's a um, very direct plug-in for doctoral students because it is, it's about data, but it's not some of it's about number crunching, but really it's more about conceptualizing um, a logic and how you take somebody through, um, you know, understanding the experience that's happening on the ground to aggregating that to the experience that all these people that you're serving are having, potentially to the interaction between that and the, the larger community, right? And then ultimately, what does it mean? And framing it in a way that's compelling. And um, that's the easiest and most direct connect that I see. Um, you know, other places where I've, I've run into um, folks who are, who are making a transition directly from, you know, their PhD to a nonprofit setting are doing it, not surprisingly, in their area of focus. So if somebody focused their work on affordable housing, um, you know, the development of affordable housing, chances are they're going to be moving into a nonprofit that um, focuses on affordable housing, and more likely than not, they're going to be in more of a policy space, um, unless they've really been on the ground. You know, for somebody who just wants to kind of, quote unquote, do direct service, you know, there isn't going to be a lot of overlap. Uh, It doesn't mean you're not skilled and smart and all of that, but that really is going to come down to that's just a choice that you want to make to do direct service in a human services environment. Otherwise, you're you're going to need to have some real world understanding and experience um, to move into a, a, a different level. And you know, there are many PhD students and graduates who do, um, and there are many who don't. I've had you know what feels like I guess a long career now, which is strange because I don't feel like it's been that long, but. Um, you know, the things that I do every day are things that directly relate to what uh, the skills that I honed in my doctoral work. I mean, I manage multiple projects at one time. I have to manage a lot of disparate information, um, a lot of analytical thinking and conceptualizing things so that I can um, understand them and share them with my colleagues and share them with others. Um, there's a, there are a lot of other skills that I developed um, in my own work 
back then um, that apply to my work now, for sure. No, that's great. And I think since you brought up the notion of skills, I think it would be helpful for our student listeners to think about what are some of the skills that they would need to have day mm-hmm. one? Mm-hmm. You know, you're interviewing and you expect the person to hit the ground running. Yeah. But then what are the things that they could learn on the job? Because we know research-wise that women especially look at job descriptions and they think, oh, I have to have absolutely mm-hmm. everything mm-hmm. that's listed here. Mm-hmm. And they don't necessarily realize that it's a wish list. And yeah. you know, if we get 70% of what we're hiring for, then yeah. that's a really exciting right. uh, thing that's happened. So just describe that distinction a little bit, at least from your mm-hmm. perspective. Mm-hmm. I think so much of it um, is about how the person, the individual delivers him or herself. Um, I found that just, I mean, just professionally in general, let alone, you know, after my doctoral work, but um, specifically moving into human services, or people would want to see someone who has some experience working in the field, even if it was a long time ago, um, that, you, that your feet, feet have been on the ground and that you have some understanding of the dynamic of working in a nonprofit organization. Um, that's not a university. Um, you know, I think this might sound strange, but uh, humility. We we and you you alluded to it before uh, when we're in um, an academic environment and an intellectual environment. You know, academics talk to each other. They don't often talk to other people unless they're being held up as like, be the academic in the room and talk to other people about your intellectual work. And it's like, I, you know, okay. So, um, and in nonprofit land, and, and I would imagine it's the same in corporate land, although I don't have as much experience there, you know, there are lots of very smart, very skilled, very insightful people who chose a different path. And, um, you know, it can, it can feel like, uh, I'll use my own experience. You know, sometimes I'm a little sad because nobody ever asks me about my doctoral work. You know, nobody really cares, to be quite (laughs) honest. That's a good thing to say, but it's true. You don't pull it Um, off the shelf and sort of bring it down. Yeah, no. And, you know, when I looked at my books on my shelf at home and all the things I read, you know, there I am telling my you know, five-year-old daughter, like, look, mommy read all of these at one time. I knew everything that was in here. And she's like, that's great, mommy. Um, you know, it's, it, it, there's a, you have to be able to recognize that, um, the, that the insights that others have are, are, um, sometimes more applicable, frankly, to the work than anything academically or intellectually that you've done. And you need to be able to bridge the all of the, I mean, certainly the skills that you've gained in, in your doctoral work, but in particular the content area, and figure out like what really contributes to the greater good of this organization or this sector or this system in a way that people can understand. You know, so it's really about the ability to connect with people at all levels and share your insights in ways that are wrapped in what the point of the work that day, that week, and that year is, and and be able to bring it in in a way that is um, digestible and um, welcomed and um, 
and that contributes to getting the work done. Well, and that's interesting because it requires a reframe of the, you know, the rewards and metrics of success in mm -hmm. academia, which are largely focused around individual contribution Absolutely. and individual intellect and the dissemination of, of that individuality. Mm -hmm. And it sounds like in the nonprofit world, it's about contributing to a team and to a collective mission. And it's not that you can't think about academic research in that way. We're just not rewarded for thinking right. about it in that right. way. Right. And so I imagine the metrics of success in a nonprofit are tied much more to the projects and the people that you're serving mm -hmm. rather than any individual. Absolutely. I think that's a, the perfect way to put it. See, that's because you've been in an intellectual <laughs> environment. I haven't. I you know, think of it that way. No, it's absolutely true. Um, 100%. I agree with that. Yep. And so I just want to wrap up by wondering when you were a doctoral student here at BU walking the streets of Comav, like our students are outside of our doors right now, what are some things that you wish someone had told you back then that we can tell our doctoral students now and um, better prepare them for their next step? Um, I have a whole list here and I'm thinking, okay, what do people really need to know? I mean, we touched on a couple things, which is kind of the, the insular nature of academia when you're a graduate student. And if you're on an academic trajectory, I mean, people ta are talking to each other. Um, and what really matters is what can you bring to the table that has practical implications? Um, so I would encourage people to, you know, students to think about that and to plan ahead for, you know, what that can look like. Um, that can can really be um, understood by a broader audience. I think, um, you know, we're talking mostly about academic uh, careers, non-academic careers, but, and I'm sure many students have heard and know this already, but academic careers are brutal. Um, you know, they're highly competitive and highly political at times. Um, you know, the competition is really high, and so the emphasis goes on publications and not on projects or teaching. And, you know, one of the things we haven't talked much about is teaching. You know, I think that there's a, well, that's not, I'm not in a teaching role anymore. I think that a lot of the things that we talked about in being able to deliver oneself to others, um, you know, is the same thing that if you're, if you're teaching, even if you have an academic career. You know, one of the things that I wish that graduate students really were able to absorb and hear is, um, and this is just a bias on my part, is um, how important um, being able to teach is. You know, um, whether you're going for an academic career or a non-academic career, it's, it, it comes from the same core set of skills. The ability to understand what other people need to hear, the ability to um, recognize whether or not you're communicating effectively, like Right now, I'm wondering if I am on this podcast. <laughs> I feel like I'm rambling on. Um, but, you know, and understand what people really need to know so that they can move their learning forward, they can move their project forward, and how you do it together as a team, to your earlier point. Um, so that's one of the things that I would love um, for doctoral students to really understand is that teaching doesn't come naturally. Um, and um, neither does necessarily this, this kind of approach in a, in a, in a non-academic world if you've been rewarded for you know, really honing in on this one little slice of information in the world to iterate learning forward. Um, 
it's networking. It's getting to know people who are in the industry you want to impact. I know, blah, blah, blah. I used to hear that a lot, too. It's true. It works. It's worked for me my whole career. And, you know, it doesn't have to look cheesy. I don't go around, like, handing out my business cards and wearing a name tag and being like, hi, I'm Andrea. What can I, how can we get connected? In fact, I barely use social media, you know. Um, it's just about being around and being present. Um, writing skills, you know, when you write, do you write for a select audience or do you write for broad understanding and can you do both and how can you how can you um, expand the way that you communicate your understandings about the world um, and I think finally we are we are taught in our doctoral work to be so precise right um, there, I have experienced, I've needed to wrestle with that um, in my own work where the rest of the world is not as precise. You know, it's, it's not, we're not talking about the difference between like getting a number right and the decimal point right and then just saying, you know, oh, whatever, what the hell, we don't care what it is. It's like somewhere around 50% when it's 42.3, you know? <laughs> um, but it's, again, it's about, uh, you know, how do you get, in that case, the truthful information out? How do you get messages out that people want to want, can absorb? How can you um, not let perfect be the enemy of the good, as they say? That's a really beautiful way to put it. And I think also it has beauty in the sense that when you do that, in your case, you're impacting all of these folks who are coming to St. Mm -hmm. Francis House um, for services and assistance. Mm -hmm. And so you can feel really great also about the personal level impact mm -hmm. of the communication and the work mm -hmm. and the strategy that you do. Mm -hmm. So um, to me, if I were to change my life and go to the nonprofit world, I would imagine that that would be the most fulfilling part. Mm. Um, but I would love to thank you for joining us today oh, sure. to demystify the nonprofit sector for particularly our humanities and social yeah. sciences students. But of course, um, there are lots of nonprofit opportunities in the STEM world as well. This podcast is done in collaboration with WBTU, and we are very grateful for that partnership. And we look forward to our next episode. Thanks so much for joining us today. Thanks for having me.